You should less more or less, right? Yeah. So they so they did that show on Monday, and because I watched it, my feed has been getting all this stuff with the rapture in it. And I saw this as a commercial before a video I watched. So and then I went and I looked it up and I pulled the trailer up. So I mm. want to watch this trailer with you guys because this is amazing. You have no idea. Darren, Darren says, thank says, you. Thank you. I'm not crazy. Well, maybe a little. Uh, well, your music taste, anyways. Oh gosh. Yeah. All right. So let's watch this trailer. This trailer looks awesome. When the rapture occurs, the world will capture the moment. Cell phones, security cameras, law enforcement body cams, doorbell cams, and more will all bear video record of the great disappearance. The world will reel with concern from watching the strange, mind-boggling and unbelievable video footage that goes viral across... No. One thing that Nick was saying on Meaning of Catholic is that for the most part, they believe that the people will disappear without their clothes. So the clothes will be left behind. But some people believe that the people will disappear without their blood, too. What? Yeah. So they should have made this video with with bloody clothes just being left all <laughs> over the place. But let's continue. We, yeah, we're going to have to get into that after. Oh. People vanish before their eyes and all caught on camera. This event won't be science fiction, conspiracy theory, or mindless speculation. When Christ comes for his people, it will be in the twinkling of an eye. Between the resurrected dead and the raptured, billions of people will exit this planet. Notice they went the easy way out of showing the people disappearing and not the resurrected dead. <laughs> I have so many I have so many things I want to point out about this in an instant but billions will be left behind it will be chaos on our globe but incredible glorious joy in the skies this is the rapture the great disappearance it is vital to know what the bible says about this coming day the next event on God's prophetic agenda for the earth. Are you ready? Wait a minute. Tell me this doesn't look awesome. Like, this looks like an amazing movie. Did every kid on that bus disappear? Was there not a single Catholic kid on that bus? Because we know they don't believe the Catholics will go. We know that. (laughs) That was a Christian private school, and the children are innocent. So (laughs) I think the funniest part of this is the obsession with that it's going to go viral. Right? It's like, damn all the cameras are going to catch it. It's going to go viral. They're like, billions of people will disappear on Earth, and yet all the infrastructure needed to watch us on the web will somehow still just magically work. (laughs) It's it's so so bananas. Planes will fall out of the sky, but that person on that bike went missing, and that's what you'll care about. (laughs) See, but I almost think, like, the warning has a little bit of this flavor to it. When you say that, are you calling it crazy? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying it has like a little bit of that flavor to it. So look, the warning could definitely be a thing. I, I don't know. I, it's just 
It, just it definitely has they, a dispensationalist vibe to it, it though. It, You're right. It seems like that, like when they say it's like every single person on Earth at the same time, time will stand still. So if you're on an airplane, every like time will just stop and the airplane will just freeze in midair, and everyone will have this uh, uh, illumination of conscience at the same moment. It just kind of has that air to it, and then a lot of um, a lot of the. You got to be careful with the Catholic prepping stuff because a lot of these channels will make you think like you need to have a, like a shelter to, to get through like even the three days of darkness stuff. And that has a lot of the rapture feel to it. Like you'll be able to escape. It's, it's very materialistic and yeah, you'll right. be able to escape the suffering that's coming yeah. because it has a very rapture feel to it. Like, so what the dispensationalists believe is that they are going to be raptured up before the great tribulation. Yeah. So if if you hear Catholics telling you that this great event is coming and you need to have yourself a prepping shelter so that you can withstand these, uh, Catholicism is supposed to be about embracing suffering and not not that we'll be raptured away from it. I would. I would think. I mean, I'm not a theologian. Right. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't know where I stand in the three days of darkness. Like, 90% sure it won't happen, but I have blessed candles. I do, too. But how do you light the blessed candles if only the blessed candles are light? I'm not concerned about it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it either they'll light or they won't. Or they won't. <laughs> And tomorrow I'll either die or I won't. So I better be prepared. Oh, I'll tell you what got me a little freaked out about the three days of darkness was the Canadian wildfire stuff coming down. Because you you were freaked out. I'm like, I can't breathe the air. Like, this is what they say about the three days of darkness. You're not gonna be able to go outside. The air is gonna be poison. You're gonna have to tape your windows and you can only light blessed candles. And when that when the whole New York City was orange. Like legit orange, and people were coughing. You couldn't even breathe this stuff. You know what the three days of darkness sounds like? Not just that, but just some of the like, like some of the Akita descriptions. It sounds like a super volcano explosion. Well, like, what do, you, uh, what do you mean in Akita? Why they talk about? I I know. Don't they talk about fire? The living, and, will, the living will envy the dead. Is it, is it so? We I read mean, the Akita. I think Akita talks about fire as opposed to like the flood, right? Fire falling from the sky. Um, yeah, but I've always heard that. Um, a, a lot of people say, well, God took the world the first time in a flood. The next time he'll take it in a fire, right? He said, because he promised he would never flood the world again. Right. I'm, I'm looking through the uh, the Akita, the approved Akita visions to see if it. Well, it says uh, anything. yeah. So Royals fan says it says fire will fall from the sky. Okay, yep, says, so. It will be a punishment greater than the deluge, one such as one will never, will never seen before. Fire will fall from the sky and will wipe out a great part of humanity, the good as well as the bad, sparing neither priests nor faithful. The survivors will find themselves so desolate that they will envy the dead. Okay, I, we have to, you have to say something with that because people that ask for. God's intervention and they're like God intervene and you want and and you're hoping that the Akita prophecies or Fatima prophecies come true. That's a scary thought. Nice. 
Yeah, that's a scary thought. To, to, to you have to really think about what it means. The living will envy the dead. Fatima like, talking about nations being disappearing from completely the earth. annihilated. Right? You have to really think about what that means. That means roaming bands of marauders kidnapping women. I mean, if you, like you're in a position where they could come and take your wife and daughter. Like, I don't want that to happen. That's crazy. You really have to have to look at it like as bad as the situation is in the church. It's not preventing you from becoming a saint. So right. I, I know these things are very distressing in the church. They are. They're very distressing. But but hoping that God's chastisement comes is a. That's a you don't know what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. That's a scary thing. It really is. And and somebody said like you have to be careful chasing up ap- like doing apparition chasing and it it is the sin of curiosity. You get you get too caught up in curiosity and. And you, you lose focus on just becoming a saint. Um, the road that was a that was a good movie. I've watched a part of it. I'm not big into too many movies like that. Did you see the book of Elijah or the? Is that the yeah book of Eli? Book of Eli. That was a good one. That was good. It just sucked. It was a King James Bible. It was a King James Bible, and they, the, like the guy wanted it because he's he's he thought. This is how you're going to control the people. There's no understanding of there being a church. There's no Pope. There's no mass. Right. It's just the Bible. You know, it's very, it's, oh, wait, the seventh sign, Caitlin. I saw that movie growing up. That movie bugged me out. My mom made me watch that at like nine years old. Did you ever see the seventh sign? I'm not sure. What's about? It's crazy Protestant mayhem. Crazy Protestant mayhem. My mom was so caught up in end time stuff. Listen to me. Growing up, before the year 2000, I think I've told you this, like before Y2K, my mom had the whole basement stocked with canned food. She thought the world was going to end in in Y2K. It was crazy. And it actually affected my older brother that when it didn't happen, my brother thought all of this stuff was nonsense. He really Don. Did. He You're talking about Don, right? My brother Dom, yeah. <laughs> so that's like he, that's really affected his faith his whole life. Hundred percent. When that's the my mom really, I mean, she was really caught up in marrying apparitions and things like that, right. and she stocked the basement full of food. But when none of that happened, my brother kind of questioned everything. Then he went to college, and in philosophy 101, they started doing situational mm. ethics and challenging everyone. Yeah, philosophy one on one. They started challenging his, you know, his ethics and morals and philosophy one on one should be Aristotle's, you know, divine mover and in, in Aquinas's five ways and stuff like it that. It should be, but it's not. Um, yeah, uh, Max says Garabandel talks about a synod, so that's that's kind of strange, right? Mm, I mean, synods have been really common throughout church history. But it talks about a synod in a way as if... Right, it does seem really, like, familiar, right? And the thing is, there the word synod wasn't very common in the 70s when this happened. No, because there hadn't been a synod for a long time. Exactly. So, yeah, synods were always regional, not global. Right, I mean, that's literally, like, a, a global synod is doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's called an <laughs> ecumenical council. <laughs> Brandon's hand says, I have blessed candles, but I usually end up using them when I camp overnight in a place with lots of bears. I just burn one all night in the in, in the entryway of my tent 
I've had bears in the sight sniffing around the tent on the picnic table in my car, but not in it. Once a bear got in the car of the adjacent site, but that was because the people left the rear window open. So I bought a bunch of beeswax candles and I had them blessed and I have them at my house. And I asked my wife a couple weeks ago, I'm like, Hey, where are those candles? She's like, I use them. Like, what do you mean you use them? Oh, you've doomed us. <laughs> Three days of darkness is going to come. My wife burned the candles around the house. <laughs> She's the, so that would be typical woman. All of a sudden, light throughout the whole world gone, and you're like Nicole, where are those blessed candles? What these I candles? Just for this, she's the worst. Well, it's like it's like the the tweet you said. Yeah, about the light on the boat. You're like, I bought the new light for the boat so we can see in the dark. Listen to me. I bought a flashlight at the camping store at the site, and I'm like, oh, we don't have light on the boat. So it's it's funny. It's a light switch that you turn on and it lights up. And I hand it to my wife. I'm like, we need this for tonight because we don't have a light. So it starts getting dark, and I'm like, why don't you go get the light so we can turn the light on? She, she goes, I can't find it. It's too dark. I'm like, Nicole, <laughs> the irony. I, 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 I saw you tweet that, and I'm like, Mike, I read it to Hope. I'm like, Hope, just listen to this. <laughs> My wife. She's the best. Oh, oh man. man, she makes me laugh, that woman. She is so funny. Um, <sighs> and then uh, there was two others. Sorry. Did you want to do the Cardinal? Because uh, everybody did the Strickland one. Um My mom said to, uh... my mom said to call her when I'm done with the show. She must have watched the Shroud episode. Um oh. Call her now. Let's get her on the show. <laughs> I'm serious. Put her on speaker. No. <laughs> Just let her know. I'll get her. I'll get her on one night. Okay. I'll get her on one night. We all um, want Anne. Everybody did the uh, Bishop Schneider. Hold on. Hold on. We have a video. We do need to play. What's that? Oh, this is so great. This is so great. We're building and we're going the wrong way. That's it's on your other side of the building. Like we gave him a map. This is our president. We're going the wrong way. That's it's on your other side of the building. Like we gave him a map. Guys, the president of the United States doesn't know where he is. Good thing he doesn't have access to nuclear. Oh wait. No, like legit fire from the sky. Doesn't know he's in the Capitol building. This is scary. He's not making yeah. the election. Hasn't anyone told him he can get 22 years in prison for being in the Capitol building? <laughs> it's it's funny, but it's really not funny. You it's know what I mean? Like, Those poor guys. Oh. Um, but that isn't he's not making the election. There's no way. There's no way he can there's no way he can do a debate. I don't think there'll even be debates or anything. Well, it doesn't matter anyways. Like I know. Does anyone change their mind on stuff based on policy anymore what do you I think mean, you have had the, you have three quarters of the republican party willing to vote for someone who just never mind knows gonna i was just about to ask you what do you like like it's funny because everybody says i can't vote democrat because of their stance on abortion that's the final you can't father altman you cannot be catholic and vote democrat so can you be catholic and vote for trump now that trump came out for abortion essentially he's i mean he was the most pro-life president we ever had is all you ever heard and now all of a sudden he's like well you know i think DeSantis he's crazy that he did a six-week abortion ban yeah 
Your whole presidency, the only lasting legacy you had were the judges you put in and that we overturned Roe v. Wade. That's the only then, lasting those, legacy from his presidency. Those judges, for the most part, are terrible. terrible. Like, yeah, they over they overturned Roe v. Wade. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but other than that, they're useless. Especially Roberts. It's really a... F- uh, now, to be fair, that was Bush. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying everybody thinks it's a 6-3 split. It's really a 5-4 split. Roberts is a liberal. Yeah. Like, he's a legit liberal. You have a 5-4 split, and even those conservatives, you have two good ones. Thomas and Alito. That's it. Yeah. Clarence Thomas and Alito. Now, I know somebody... <laughs> I shouldn't reveal that story. Well, I know somebody that knows Thomas, and Thomas Tom, Clarence Thomas is a devout Catholic. Yeah, like a legit devout Catholic, and he's very he concerned with what's, every day with mass. He's very concerned with what's going on in Rome. That's all I'll say. Did you see very the con- um, the picture in the the Telegram? No. So, um. I made this upon request, so give me a second. Oh, what the situation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You. Did I saw it on Twitter. You jerk. <laughs> I'm oh. like, what? Why are we making pictures of Anthony looking gay? Come on. <laughs> Anthony, the situation here. Guys. I was gonna die when Sh- oh, I think it was Sean said it, when they were talking about the tin can crushing thing, and and I'm like, I don't think I did that experiment in school. And Sean pops in right away. Anthony didn't make it that far in school. <laughs> I wanted to say something too, but I'm like, uh, no, I shouldn't. Do you know how many thousands? Of photos I had to look through on your wife's Facebook for that one, or <laughs> any that that worked for that photo. So what did you do? You superimposed my face on a photo of the situation. Yep. If you oh. notice, you were skiing. There's snow in your hair. <laughs> Frosted hair. <laughs> oh man! That's how my wife to block you on Facebook. <laughs> it's probably a smart move, to be fair. <laughs> to be honest. The one time you took a picture thinking it was me, it was the kid that the, my wife's cousin that I fought. That <laughs> yeah, that just a few days before. It was like I had a fight with my wife's cousin, broke my hand, and Rob takes a picture of Nicole's Facebook and puts it up thinking it's me, and it's the it kid that I just like fought. Like you from twenty years ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. So everybody did the Schneider thing, right? Where Schneider actually talked about Altman's position. Mm. And yes. I have to say, I agree with Schneider. I agree too. Um, even I, that's that's Father Isaac's position too. Isaac, uh, I it's even I don't know. Father Mosley just thinks he he just says it's not for him to say one way or the other. Right, that's, and I think that's the position most of us need to take. It's just you have no authority to make that call. Right. I mean, it's just not. It's, everything's in God's hands. It doesn't matter like, what like, you think. <laughs> and the thing is, like, no one even the one authority that might exist. Would, I mean, other than a, a future pope, would, would maybe be an ecumenical council. But even then, they're not. They're not really sure. You know what I mean? Well, he was saying even a, even like the cardinals, like even the curia couldn't depose the pope. No so one can judge the pope. Right. In in. in Previous cases, you know, like the uh, the Western Schism, the they they had to have three of the three reigning popes all resigned, and then a new one was elected. Yeah, 
It, it wasn't the Curia coming together to say, this is who we've elected now, you're all screwed. No, they, they waited for all three of those supposed popes to resign. resign. Now, I do think the Curia can put pressure on the pope. They may not be able to debo- depose him. I think a king could have deposed the pope, right? Mm, no, that, that's kind of the the uh, you know Cesaro Cesaro papism of the East, right? The emperor did depose popes illegally and then okay. install anti popes, but oh yeah, yeah, and I I know that was the plot of the Borgias. That stupid show. <laughs> that stupid show. And it was Della Rovere was trying to get the King of France to depose. Right. I mean, there's that's been that was tried, and there were some theories upon that and stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah, guys, I'm say? not first off, we've never gotten more. We've first of Rob and I never get hate. Ever. Like ever. Me and Rob never get to it. We just don't get hate in the comments. Like for the most part, anybody that watches our show enjoys it. There might be something that somebody disagrees with us on, but they're always charitable to us. That Altman video where all I said was I wasn't crazy about how he handled being in front of a crowd like that. Um, and I thought it was a little it's a little dangerous to amp a crowd like that up on something like calling like saying this bishop, God damns you. I don't even like that language. I don't like that language by singling someone out like that. That's not that's not any of our place to do that. You can talk generalities. You can, I mean, I, I I agree with him saying like what he's saying. I mean, that is God's judgment will come down on them. But I just had a, a hard time with the way it was handled. So I didn't say anything about his positions. I just said I thought that was a little... A little dicey to do that in front of a crowd. And we got bombarded by people making it like we were bashing Altman. And I, I wasn't. I don't know. We, I guess. we were taking a really like boring, beige, middle of the road position. Like that's what we should have been <laughs> excoriated for instead. Right? <laughs> it's funny. Pe- people got so mad. And I think a lot of it would be older Catholics, right? I, I think. Altman has a lot of older Novus Ordo type Catholics. I, say, I I don't want to make any generalizations, but it did it does seem to be like you said the the older conservative Novus Ordo Catholic. I mean, for instance, yeah. I have an I have an aunt who's a you know she she's older Boomer generation conservative Novus Ordo Catholic will not go to the the traditional at mass. I wouldn't say she hates it; she just would would never go to it. And yet she uh, believes Osman will be a probably a future saint. So I think a lot of that has to do with his position on politics. Right. I think well, they that's... all fell in love with him when he came out and said, you can't be Catholic and vote Democrat. Yep. I think that's where that comes from. Um, and even still, I'm not criticizing Altman. I, I just think... I, I just think it's not our place to make the declarations that he's making. And I think that it it we all need to have a little humility about what's going on and just let God do his thing. God knows exactly what's happening in his church. I know it's confusing. I know it's crazy right now. But I agree with Schneider's take on it. Schneider's, and we're interviewing Schneider. And I'm so glad Saturday. he addressed 
Saturday. as long as he doesn't have to go to Africa again or something, it should be Saturday morning. So, so I'm excited that he did this beforehand because now I can, that's a little in for me to remember. See. It is officially about his catechism. I know it's officially about his catechism, but I know you know me and I'm not sticking to catechism questions. Luckily, Rob read through the catechism. So Rob has a list not, of questions. Not the whole thing, but you, you sent me a list of questions that I will get to, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, we need this interview to. Well, I'm yeah, telling you, right. there's a, there is enough controversial stuff in the, this catechism. You you could tie all of this to the catechism, the the Latin Mass, the vaccines, uh, evolution. Social I media. mean, social media. social media. Um, he talks about obeying certain bishops and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, all of it. Um. There's the catechism on Crocs. <laughs> I think Rob's giving the Crocs up, right? I had to. My feet were just so bad. So bad. They're terrible. They're terrible for your feet, man. They really are. So I don't have that article you're talking about. Not in WhatsApp. You might have texted <laughs> Call it. There are times Rob has to keep Anthony on a leash. I know everybody thinks that. There are times I have to keep Rob on a leash. Everybody thinks Anthony's. Anthony's the bad guy. Um, okay, so wait, I have... All right, so there was two things. The the Cardinal Sarah one, where did I send um, that? Aaron, we are talking about... It's not labeled as, as a catechism. Um, it, it, that's what it is, but Schneider is releasing um, a work called uh, Credo, which is Latin for creed. It's called a something credo like a compendium of the catholic faith it's a question and answer format similar to the baltimore catechism or the catechism of Pius the 10th but it's with with all the up you know, like updated issues social media use vaccines uh, latin mass restrictions um everything basically yes okay so i sent you the the cardinal Sarah article but i yep. want to find the tweet that highlighted the important part um, let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, sorry guys. Let me see. Um, I don't, so I know we had talked about, yeah. Okay. I got here. It. Okay. I got it. Okay. So important new article from Cardinal Seurat. It is pro. So this is quoting Cardinal Seurat. It is profoundly to be regretted that the motu proprio traditionis custodis and the related responsa ad dubia on December 4, 2021, perceived as acts of liturgical aggression by many, seem to have damaged this peace and may even pose a threat to the church's unity. If there is a revival of the post-conciliar liturgy wars, or if people simply go elsewhere to find the old liturgy, these measures will have backfired badly. It is too early to make a thorough assessment of the motivations behind them or of their ultimate impact or of their ultimate impact. But it is nevertheless difficult to conclude that Pope Benedict XVI was wrong when in, when in asserting that the older liturgical forms cannot be all of a sudden entirely forbidden or even considered harmful, particularly when their unfettered celebration has manifestly brought, brought forth good fruits. So... It's about time he starts to, I mean, this he was the prefect for the congregation of divine worship. Right. He was uh 
was two coasts. CDW. He was he was the head of the CDW, and he's he was removed for Roach for Cardinal no. Roach. Wait, no? no, 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 wait. Was he CDW or was he CDF? No, he was CDW. He was the he was CDW. Cardinal okay, Sorrell was right. the, the head of the Congregation for Divine Worship. Yep. And yeah, Roach is there now. And Roach replaced him. And Roach is, it, is the one that came out with Traditionis Custodis. And he's the one who's putting all these restrictions on. Yeah. It is about time Cardinal Seurat spoke up because this is he spoke up uh while Benedict was still alive during the last synod on and it was about married priests. Him and Benedict released the that one book. that that Africa basically jettisoned. Yeah, so it was he he spoke up and then it caused a big stir because Benedict signed his name on it and then it came out that Benedict didn't know that's what he was doing and all this stuff. But especially when it comes to stuff like liturgy stuff, because I remember Cardinal Seurat actually had said a few years back while he was still at the CDW, he encouraged priests during Easter or it was maybe uh, Advent. He encouraged priests to turn to the East and, celebrate mass at orientum mm -hmm. and francis rebuked him publicly and said no that is not the norm it's crazy that these guys get so bent out of shape about even at orientum it is just ridiculous it's it's part of the disorientation though like you you bringing that up was such a, a powerful thing saying how we face the Orient and the fact that versus populum is disorienting like in its nature is disorienting mm -hmm. because you're no longer facing the Orient, which is why it's called ad orientum. Um, did Cardinal Seurat say only a demon would suppress the TLM? I don't know. I, I don't know if he only said that. What? African bishops can be freaks though, <laughs> and have been there. Yeah, there are a few. Um, like there. what's his name from South Africa? Um, so uh, he's head. he's uh, he's one of Francis's guys. He sends them to the I've, UN all the time. I've gotten into arguments with him on Twitter. Like, who is really? this? Yeah. <laughs> um, let me see if there's anything else in here. Uh, one of the unnoticed but important contributions of Joseph Ratzinger's The Spirit of the Liturgy is its reflection on authority, specifically papal authority in the sacred liturgy. Noting that the Western liturgy is something that, borrowing the words of J.A. Jungman, Jungman, Jungman. Has, Jungman, has come to be that is an organic growth, not a specially contrived production. Something organic that grows and whose laws of growth determine the possibilities of further development. Cardinal Ratzinger observes that in modern times, the more vigorously the Petrine primacy was displayed, the more the question came up about the extent of the limits of his authority which, of course, had never been considered. After the Second Vatican Council, the impression arose that the Pope really could do anything in liturgical matters, especially if he were acting on the mandate of an ecumenical council. Eventually, the idea of the givenness of the liturgy, the fact that one cannot do with, that, with it what one will, faded from the public consciousness of the West. 
In fact, the First Vatican Council had in no way defined the Pope as an absolute monarch. On the contrary, it presented him as the guarantor of obedience to the revealed word. The Pope's mm -hmm. authority is bound to the tradition of faith, and that also applies to the liturgy. It is not manufactured by the authorities. Even the Pope can only be a humble servant of its lawful development and abiding integrity and identity. The authority of the Pope is not unlimited. It is at the service of sacred like, tradition. One of, the, one of the Pope's official titles, even under Francis, he didn't get rid of this one, is the servant of the servants of God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not yeah, the oppressor a, of the servants of God. Oh man. And that's what we have right now. It's like, it's the guardians of tradition. It's, it's, it, it's something crazy. They're playing with the, with the wording of things. Well, like, like Ryan Grant says, you could easily just as translate Ryan Grant, for those who don't know, is an expert in church Latin. He says you can just as easily translate that as the jailers of tradition. Yeah. Yeah. The jailers. The custodians of tradition, right? It's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a scary thing, man. I, I wonder where this all goes. <clears throat> I, because we've been hearing for years how oh, Francis has, has ill health, but he's sharp. He's still giving those off-the-cuff interviews. He's not Joe Biden. True, but just because he doesn't have dementia doesn't mean he's healthy either. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, who knows? Who knows how much time he has left? Uh, we have to deal with it either way. Yeah. Yeah, and we're coming up on October, so we'll see how this goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there was one other thing we wanted to talk about, which was that they are... Ooh, Aaron's got a spicy... Well, not, well, spicy taste for a prop. Take outside perspective. Here. If the source and summit of the Catholic faith is a sacrifice, and if priests are the actual, are actually priests, then ad orienta makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so the, the priest is standing in pers persona Christi. So when we're at mass, the uh, the reason the priest faces the altar and not the people is because. We are all praying to God, and you have to see it almost like he is leading us into battle, right? He is he's the commander-in-chief of the people, and he is going and offering sacrifice to the Father, and we all follow him in this act. And yep. it's not that his back is toward us, that we all face God. He's doing it on action. our behalf. Yeah. 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 You know, which, that's what people like Francis and... Like uh, like those who design the the Novus Ordo liturgy don't realize is like like Protestants like Aaron would take us more seriously if we acted like we believe the things we say we believe. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to a Curcio early on in my a conversion. What? You ever do that? A what? A Curcio. What's that? So it's a retreat that you go on. It's typically one where you would want to send somebody who's maybe having a hard go at things and is open to God, right? But okay. I went, I had already had my conversion. I had already discovered Scott Hahn at this point. I knew way too much about my faith to really go on this trip. This is one where you want to kind of, if you know anybody that's in a, in a spot in their life where you think they would be open to an experience of God, this is a very emotional like if someone has just hit rock bottom and they, they, they need something to something pick them they're back seeking up. God. 
Right. They're seeking God. They're in a position where they're seeking him, but don't know much about their faith. This is a great retreat for a scenario like that. I had known way too much at this point, but it was the only retreat around and somebody, you can't go just on your own. You have to have been somebody that went and you send someone else. So my uncle had gone early on in his conversion and he signed me up for this. Um, so when I went, uh, it was a very emotional experience. Everybody's crying and the whole nine and some of the other guys, they were reading Richard Rohr and being <clears> ever present. Anthony's now. going down his list. Like, no, you can't cry for that. Nope. You can't. No, cry for that. I, was. That one's not I, I, I did not have a great experience at that retreat, but so I would not, I would not suggest it to anybody who is, knows their faith well, but it can be beneficial to somebody who's seeking something. Um, but the one great thing I did get from it, because this is very early on in my conversion, and I never understood the idea of ed orientum or anything. The priest actually turned the mass around for us. And he explained to us, he said, you know, the, we used to celebrate the mass this way, and this is why. And he explained all that to us. And he said, it's not that my back is to you men. It's that we're all going to offer sacrifice to God. And I am your leader, and I am offering it to God on your behalf. And that's how he explained it to us. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, why don't mm -hmm. we do this? And why not, when you do it, explain why you do it so that people actually understand the meaning behind doing it. Because the idea that so many people even thought that it was the priest with his back to us shows you the lack of catechesis there was before the liturgical changes. Yeah. It's like, he might have his back to you, but he has his face towards God. Which one's more important? And it's not just that. When you see the priest at a Latin mass, when you see the priest hold the Eucharist up at the foot of the cross, so you're seeing the host being raised up to the cross. So now you see it as you mm -hmm. look up. And you're not supposed to, a lot of people bow their heads and close close their eyes when the priest raises it. You're not supposed to do that. Mm. You, you can, after he brings it down, you can bow your head in reverence. Generally, you, you bow when he does his first genuflection. Then you raise your head and look as he does the elevation. Then you bow when he genuflects again. So the reason you look when he does the genuflection, I mean, when he raises the host, is you are supposed to say the words that, that, that Doubting Thomas said, my Lord my and my Lord God. And, my God. Yep. and you're supposed to actually see, wow, my Lord and my God is held up in that host. Yep. Um, and this priest explained all this to us that weekend. It was It was just such a beautiful thing, but it shows you that the fact that people actually thought it was the priest with his back to him and the fact that people were saying, oh, now I can finally understand mass shows you that because my, my priest that um, my, my parish that does both forms really explained that the enrichment that you got from having mass at, at a, at a Novus Ordo parish it's not like the Novus Ordo enriched the, the Latin mass, but what happened was when they took the Latin mass away, he said there was never this fervor and love for the traditional Latin mass. That's why the traditional movement was so small. Think about it. Like think you even listen to Michael Matt when he talks about it. He's like, guys in the seventies, there's a hundred of us. Yeah. There's nobody. The people that were really affected by losing it just left the church and just stopped going. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else was all caught up in the revolution and couldn't wait to go to this new cool thing and singing their 70s songs. So it was a very small movement, the traditional movement back then. But what happens is they removed it for two generations. And then our generation caught a glimpse of this transcendent 
ritual. And it led to everybody going, man, when you go to a traditional mass now, everybody's got a missile out. Everybody's following along. I mean, you talk about active participation. I actively participated in a Latin mass more than I ever did at a Novus Ordo. I, I actively participated in my Novus Ordo by reading my TLM missile. So it just goes to show you, though. But it, it made it so that the people that are going to the traditional mass now are actually learning why they're there. And they're reading the readings and they're learning the movements of the priest. And it, it's not this. you. So now you have this love for this thing because if it, it was taken away. Yeah. If it was never taken away, who knows if there were. It, it got stale to the, the modern man. It got stale. Oh. I think I think part that's part like I think that's partly true. Like it's uh, they didn't appreciate what they had, but I think also they were, for the most part, like it's not. When you say that they thought the priest had their back to them, for the most part, I don't think they actually thought that until they were told that's what it was during the transition. I think for the yeah. most part they were lied to, you know. By the revolution, I, well, I think there was a terrible lack of catechesis, first off. But I've even, I, I think I've said it before, my mom will say things to me that are kind of just repeating all the taglines you hear from the, mm -hmm. the opponents of it. And she'll say, No, we, we didn't even know what was going on back then. Like, we didn't understand any of it. But I think, I don't know if that's the case or if she just, because she was so young. I mean, my mom was 15 when the mass changed, 13 when the mass changed. She, you know, she was when you're 13, you're not paying attention to mass anyway. And I mean, I guess she made her sacraments. She made her first communion in the old, right? Yeah. Right. She had to, but you know, she, they, they just heard the propaganda that came out of it. And I think they all just picked up on it and internalized it. <laughs> it got stale. Sounds like divorce talk. <laughs> Um, well, that's allowed now too. Do you know that? Um, Aaron, uh, wait, who wrote that? Because I see Margo. Margo Aaron. says he's got to try a TLM. Oh, he's only so been to a Aaron Novus says Ordo. he went to one Novus Ordo with Keith, with Keith. Was very, very reverent. He feels bad for those who have to put up with silly nonsense. Um, Aaron, if you ever get a chance, it's okay. So even if you go just to appreciate witnessing a ritual that has been going on for over a thousand years. Mm -hmm. I mean, slight deviations, but for the most part, the, the, the heart of the ritual itself has been going on for 1500, 1600 years. And you're seeing this ancient ritual that was passed down from the apostles. It's an apostolic liturgy. The Roman canon, this, they're pretty pretty sure was at least begun to be written by St. Peter. First century by St. Peter. It yeah, was look, finished when, by Gregory the Great 600. You're, you're talking about uh, when Paul talks about hold fast to the traditions, whether written down in epistle or by word of mouth, what Paul does as he's going around and preaching to the Gentiles, he goes into a community, sets it up. He doesn't just preach. He teaches them the ritual. The liturgy. Yeah. The liturgy is what he's teaching them. And that's how you embody the Christian faith. So he he goes, lays his hands on somebody. And back in the early church, 
the miraculous was everywhere. So he would lay his hands on a bishop and they would get the gift of prophecy. The miracle was sharing, Anthony. Yeah. (laughs) But they would get the gift of prophecy where they would actually get the knowledge infused into their minds. So he would set up the liturgy for them and teach them how to practice this liturgy. And that is what develops over time. And it starts off as a, as, as an acorn or it starts off as the mustard seed, right? That's the parable of the mustard seed. And over <laughs> well, look, time it develops into the this. greatest tree in the garden. Um, so yeah, the second one TLM I went to was right a TLM. After right. our episode with Keith. I finally watched the show. Hilarious watching you guys talk about me. <laughs> uh, people calling. Oh man, it's funny that you'll hear people say that the Novus Ordo, the uh, the, the apostles would recognize the Novus Ordo more than they would recognize. I, it's just such a silly. Yeah, you can't help but just kind of laugh at that, right? Like you can't have a discussion with someone that believes that um aaron it's funny that you're saying that because i i didn't know you were the friend he was taking to the latin mass yeah we didn't know that at the time yeah at the time i didn't know that like i didn't find that out till later on that's pretty funny um so nick fernandez says the Novus Ordo was designed to conceal those elements displeasing to protestants namely sacrifice in the real presence when compared to the tlm it does this well uh yeah i mean it's it's hard. I, I because it a lot of people that are still going to the Novus Ordo are just going because that's the mass they have available. I mean, Rob still has to go. It's a hard. It's hard when you got to make a two hour drive to go to a Latin mass. It's just not you know the way they set things up. Or it's just not easy. It, it's especially hard when, um, like, it's not just the mass, right? Because I have three kids. I, I love the faith and love learning about the faith and love teaching it to others. Like I, I want my family to be involved in a community. Well, it's hard to do that in our local parishes when, when, when they're largely boomer, you know, Novus Ordo, yeah. like we're the, we're the only young family in our parish. Yeah. Right. So not only do you, do I have that gulf between trad and Novus Ordo, but there's also just that age, like age gap, you know, and, and these are the type of people that think we're crazy for having three kids, let alone wanting more. So like, there's that golf, but then like, I can't have a community with the parish that's two hours, two away. hours away. How do I get there on a weeknight? How do my kids get there on a weeknight? You yeah. Know, how do you have a like, men's group with those guys? They're so far exactly. away. That's a, that's a same challenge I face. Right. So after mass, uh, it's usually me, Don and Tom. We'll talk for a few minutes outside, but I don't really know everybody at the parish because the parish is 45 minutes away. And my wife's usually in a rush to go and do something because we have an hour ride home. And it, it is difficult with those faraway parishes. It's hard to like lay down roots and I'm mm-hmm. bouncing between two parishes because one of them's 20 minutes away and it's every other Sunday. So I'm yeah. going like, I'm at two different places. It really is difficult. You guys don't realize this is my Catholic community. After mass, Anthony takes off ASAP. I do not. (laughs) (laughs) We talk for a few minutes. Uh, There's like, if they're doing something afterward, like me and Don uh, stayed for breakfast at at, uh, uh, 
our priests, uh, he had like a, a birthday breakfast or something. So we stayed and hung out and talked, but it's, uh, it's rough, especially, I mean, if I go alone, I'll stay for an hour afterward. It's, you know, my wife and my teenage kids want to go, they want to leave. They want nothing to mm-hmm. do with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Me too, Nick. I, yeah. So I have, I have three parishes within driving distance. Um, yeah, I wonder how people are handling um, traditionalists. I wonder how you know how many dioceses you see that. I think a large majority of bishops ignored it. In, I mean, that's another thing. Like, how much effort do we, as a family, put into trying to integrate ourselves into a parish two hours away when our par- that pair our TLM parish now only has one year of a two year dispensation left. Yeah. What happens in a year? Does it exist? Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> you're, if your local parish is a bearable liturgy and they're good people there and the priest is somebody you trust, I mean, more can you ask for for now? Yeah. Yeah, except, you know, we're the weirdos that feel I go, communion and don't shake hands. And I know. I believe me, I'm in the same boat when I go. I go to Minnesota, <laughs> but I still go. Like if I need to go to confession, I don't go. I go to confession at my local Novus Ordo parish. I've never, um, never had a trad confession. Really? The one time, so our our TLM parish, it's that mass is at one p.m. and the priest that offers it has his own separate parish half an hour away, so he's rushing there after two. Novus Ordo masses at his own pair, so he can't offer confession beforehand. So, yeah. So, wow. Yeah, because um, a traditional confession is uh, it's getting absolution is uh, an experience because the priest is praying over you while you say your active confession, right. uh, active contrition. Right? You're not. You, he's almost not listening to your active contrition. He's just praying in Latin really fast, and then you hear the. Te absolvo, uh, you know, you, you hear it at the end. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. But you usually get a better penance. You get a unique penance, like like this last weekend. So our our local local parish, which is just two minutes down the road, that that mass is at eight a.m. Confession starts at seven thirty. We often don't make it to that mass because of the kids. Right, it's yeah. hard to get up that early. So we there's another parish half another Novus Ordo parish half an hour away that advertises confessions half an hour before mass that's at 10:30 so we wanted to go to confession so we couldn't go to the TLM so we decided to drive to that one we get there no confession i just bailed on you yeah Frustrated. yeah every every once in a while they'll have confession during mass at St uh at, at St Rocco's and that's amazing Saint because, Rock, is that the um, is that the diocesan or the uh, the diocesan at, at Saint Rocco's? He'll have they have confession during mass at um, Good night, Aaron. At Ma- at uh, Holy Innocence almost every time, but yeah. at Saint Rocco's, if there's an extra priest, he'll jump in the confessional and he'll hear confessions right up to communion. So the thing is, a lot of people can't make it to that Saturday four o'clock to four thirty confession. Like, I mean, that's when they offer it Saturday, four o'clock yeah. to four thirty. So a lot of people can't make it in that half an hour. Seven minute warning, six minute warning now. 
Should we do what we usually do? <laughs> no, they, they know by now. Yeah, that bit's going to get old. All right, let's wrap this one up. Um, we didn't get to the uh, FDA is debating artificial wombs. That was one of the stories I wanted to cover. Yeah, I saw that. Um, it's just more debauchery going on in the world. That's all. So Thursday, the next yeah, Shroud episode, um, so that's Dr. Gilbert Lavoy. We're going to be going over his book. He talks, um, his book touches on a lot of the scientific aspects, including kind of what you were hinting at with the um, the no gravity. Yeah. He doesn't, it's not that there was no gravity. It's that this image, the blood stains show a man laying down. The image, though, was made when the man was upright, but because his feet are crossed, the man was not standing. So he was upright, levitating off the ground. And the and the the cloth itself was pulled taut. There's no well, wrinkles in it and wrapped around it's, them. It's wrapped around, it's folded, wrapped around the body. Yeah, there's there's some interesting things there. I, I wanted to get Barry didn't want to talk speculation. I want to talk speculation with uh, there's there's not. I mean, if we go by the book, there's not a lot of like he's able to prove all the this stuff. He does so with pictures and and evidence in the book. Yeah. But then the second half of the book, he goes deep into the Gospel of John, um, showing how John more or less throughout his gospel tells us. That he has the Shroud of Turin. Wow. Really? He couldn't say that, of course, because images of God are strictly forbidden in Judaism. But he, throughout the gospel, especially towards the end, he's telling you, he's he's telling you the, about the Shroud. And, and that's what most of the book is about. So it's, it's going to be really cool. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, that's unique. It is. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, okay, so that's Thursday. So we'll do the same thing with him. We'll keep him uh, for YouTube, and then we'll jump over here and do a, a second half over here. And then we'll, re- you know, I'll, I'll look and see if there's any good clips to throw on YouTube from this show, and we'll throw those up on YouTube. Um, yeah, Saturday is oh, Saturday is Strickland. No, no, Schneider. I mean Schneider. Schneider. I don't know why I wish switch uh, mix them up. So we're now after the point. We probably could do it live, but I think they still want it recorded. So we'll record it and and then release it when they want us to. When did they say we could release it? I want to say it was after the 23rd. Okay. But we'll see. Let's see if they even let us release it after the questions I ask. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to ask some spicy questions. I'm going to think about them. Let's can, Let's do it to where they're at the end and we can cut them off if need be. I don't want them interspersed throughout. Let's do the book so we have something we can release. And what then do you we guys can... think? Should I take Rob's advice here? Screw this. Sorry, guys. Just can't deal with him. Oh, he gets to be so much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys think I should take Rob's advice? All right. Everybody says, listen to Rob, Anthony. Listen to Rob. I don't know. Now you guys are almost challenging me. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys! You should have me. seen this coming. You guys are like daring me. I don't know. I'm gonna the go situation right does me. what he wants. Come on, Bishop Schneider, tell us the truth. Francis is a cat. <sighs> what do we call him, Your Excellency? 
your excellence, excellency, um, in Anglo speaking, like in England, they'll say you, your grace. So we could probably call them that too. Cause I'm going to screw up the word excellency. Um, well, you know, you try to say it fast and naturally. Nicaraguan. <laughs> Nicaraguan. 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 Guatemala. Guatemala. I'll come up with some good questions for him. I will, uh, I'll save a spicy one for the end, right at the end of the interview. The I'll spicy meatball. Right. All right. All right, Bishop. All, all <laughs> this, all this sweet talk is, <coughs> let's get to the heart of the matter. When are you going to deliver that? Oh, what was it called? What were they gonna do? Uh what was that thing that the 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 four the four bishops were the gonna dubia? get? Yeah, what were they gonna say, send them? The not not the dubia, they sent that. They said uh, uh the fraternal correction. Bishop oh. Schneider, when's the fraternal correction coming? <laughs> I'll Bishop see Schneider, how do we make you pope? <laughs> He'd be a better pope than Sarah, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. He's the only one that could truly be a good pope. I think so. Mostly because I think he's a saint. Like, honestly. Yeah. I think Sarah is too, though. I could see that. He definitely I think Sarah, has a holiness to him. Oh, he's a holy guy. He really is. <clears throat> I think he's I think he's very careful Lindsay about how he goes about things. And I think he takes obedience very seriously. But I think he's a very holy man, Sarah. <clears throat> Max is Altman is the saint. Okay, time to wrap it up, guys. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got 20 seconds left, so. Wait, should we tell that last story? We were... Meant to click that.